everyone, and welcome to a very, very special episode of Solace in the City. Today, I am so honored to be here with Governor Phil Murphy, who is the governor of New Jersey. Governor Murphy, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really can't tell you how much I appreciate your willingness to come on my podcast. It it really speaks volumes about how much you care about mental health and um, and just how generous you are with your time. Now, listen, Zoe, I'm honored to be on with you. And mental health is an important uh, theme of our administration, even in normal times. And it's become acutely more of a theme, as you can imagine, as a result of COVID. So I'm, I'm honored to be with you. Oh, thank you. And it's it's very true. It's crazy how, for some quick background, I started my podcast, Solace in the City, almost a year ago. Uh, so that was, you know, prior to the pandemic. And the goal was to open up the conversation around mental health, specifically among my peers and those younger, seeing how much um, the suicide rates and mental illness has affected my own friends and family. Um, for quick, you know, a quick fact, right now the suicide rate in the United States is at an all-time high with significantly incre- increasing trend among those in the 15 to 24 and 25 to 44-year-old demographics. So, you know, very much impacting my generation. So my question to you is, as our governor and as a very prominent political leader, I would love for my listeners to hear your view on what your responsibility, you think, and the government as a whole's responsibility is to address today's mental health challenges, especially, as you mentioned, in light of COVID. Yeah. So these are, that's a big question. So let me frame frame it in terms of how we think about it there's a there continues to be a gap both in perception as well as in substance between how physical health is viewed and how mental health is viewed everything from insurance coverage to just the general sense walking around man on the street a broken leg is viewed in one category but depression is, uh, is, is viewed to be some sort of a lesser reality, something that's less tangible and lesser, um, period. And so we have fought from, and I'm not gonna pat ourselves on the back and give you a big political commercial because that's not what uh, you, the folks who are watching this wanna have, a, I, I think, deserve to have an unvarnished discussion about you know, what the reality is. So from moment one, having said that, we have tried to close that gap both in perception as well as in treatment, as well as in the financial implications, insurance coverage, et cetera. And we're still on a a road in that respect. I'm proud of a lot of the stuff we've done. Um, I'm proud of a lot of the addiction uh, work that we've done, which obviously is a first cousin of mental health uh, challenges in many cases, Um, but we're still on a road. And, and then as the, as the famous philosopher Mike Tyson once said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. So we were in many parts of government, including addressing mental health, we were sailing along uh, until February of this year. And then we've been uh, polaxed by, by COVID. And as you know, because you know Jersey so well, we've lost over 14,000 people to COVID-19 confirmed and another almost 2,000 who are probable uh, deaths from that. We still, even though it's a lot better than it was, we still have several hundred positive tests a day and at least a handful of folks who have died. So it's, it's, it's at one level, it's, it's wrecked everything 
in terms of things like our budget and our ability to invest as robustly as we want. At another level, it's made the problem worse. Mm -hmm. uh, you've, you've got enormous amount, and I know you're, the folks who watch this, I know you know this. Look at how we're communicating. You're in your place in New York, and I'm in a yeah. conference room by myself. Um, you, you've got an enormous amount of isolation. The stay-at-home policies, which we had no choice for, led to further mental health challenges. Um, people losing their jobs, losing their businesses, losing a loved one. So my only point there is it's put us sideways on our ability to fund stuff, although I'm proud of the budget I signed yesterday. We still have a lot in there, but we're on that journey. But secondly, it's made the, it's made the climb harder. Um, and my guess is we'll be living with, with both of those realities for a while. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, obviously COVID-19 with it being a virus, it's affected so many people um, physically. But I think not only has it affected people's mental health, but it's also opened up the conversation, I think, around mental health a little bit more, which is the silver lining. Um, like I know in February, for example, of this year, you announced that there was going to be a new initiative through schools that and higher institutions of higher education to support youth mental health. And then, you know, who expected that a month later everything would be shutting down? So I guess how have you pivoted now looking at with possible, you know, either learning from home, working from home um, to really focus on mitigating any mental health repercussions from this pandemic? Again, good questions. Um that, that, uh, that amount of money uh, for mental health services in school almost got lost uh, in the budget. The good news is we retrieved it and the budget I signed yesterday has that back, thank God. Mm -hmm. um, so we've emphasized, so let's hit back to school because that to me is, um, you know, we've opened up our economy and we've opened up our society pretty regularly since uh, mid to late May. We started with outdoor activities and we've long since gone to indoor stuff. We still manage capacities, uh, but gyms are open, indoor dining is open, indoor entertainment, and schools are back in session. Uh, and I say that because there are more things for people to do. There are, God willing, more jobs out there than there, there were six months ago. And, and both of those contribute to a, mental, a stronger mental health reality. And you made a point which I wanna underscore is a really good one. It, it, the situation may have gotten worse. That's the bad news. The sil silver lining is there's a lot of attention. Uh, and we didn't have that attention eight months ago. Uh, and that to me is a, is a good thing. But back to school, I'll just pick that one as one example. Uh, so we closed in March. Every school district had to submit their plans to close. We've opened in September the same process. Uh, we went through the same process, but a couple of big, big differences. Number one, we found the money to close the digital divide. So you not only had the, the reality of kids isolated, but you had a couple of hundred thousand kids in families that didn't have ability to connect with the internet or have access to a Chromebook. So they were further isolated. Mm -hmm. We've corrected that for the most part. I should say it is being corrected because some of this, these devices are late coming in. Secondly, as long as it can be done safely, we want folks to get back to school, in-person learning. Uh, it's not only a richer educational experience, we know that, but it's a big plus up for mental health as well as physical health. Yeah. I'll give you a frightening um, 
I don't want to go on too long with you here. I know our clock is limited, but a frightening uh, data point that we had when schools closed, um, a month later, our children and families uh, commissioner uh, appeared with me at a press conference and said incidents of child abuse were down dramatically. So at one level, you say, well, wait, well, gosh, that's, we should, we should welcome that. It, the problem is, guess what? They were down because the kid wasn't in school. So he or she wasn't with a teacher, a yeah. coach, a, a nurse, uh, a crossing guard, a bus driver, a member of law enforcement. Uh, so our, you know, we, we want to get back to school safely. That's, that's principle number one. But we want to get back to school for all the reasons I've just said, the richness of the educational experience, but it's better for both mental and physical health alike. A hundred percent. I think one of the biggest obstacles uh, faced kind of, kind of as you touched on in the beginning uh, when, you know, beginning to eradicate mental health is the stigma um, that surrounds it. And that goes hand in hand with people just not really talking about it and being honest. Um, I noticed that you did do the How Are You Really Challenge. I work with Katie Cole um, to, uh, uh, to some of, work on some of those initiatives. So I was wondering what people like you who have a platform can do to open up that conversation around mental health, um, it, specifically, you know, in politics. Listen, we, we try to use our bullhorn as judiciously as possible. And mental health is one of the areas that, we hit. Now, we do several press conferences still a week on COVID. I can't say that we talk about mental health at all of them, but we talk about them at a lot of them. Mm -hmm. uh, our health commissioner talks about it. Our human services commissioner will come in from time to time. Children and families, I mentioned. Um, law enforcement, Department of Education, leadership. It's sort of a constant theme. And I think that's a big, a, a person in leadership has a responsibility uh, to uh, use that position uh, as judiciously as possible. And mental health is one of those themes that we've chosen to focus on since day one. I really got transformed as a book. I wish I had the name of it. Uh, my friend Patrick Kennedy, who's a former congressman, whose wife Amy Kennedy, by the way, is running for Congress uh, in the 2nd Congressional District as we speak. Patrick wrote a book about his own mental health uh, challenges, and he had enormous challenges. Uh, this came out three or four years ago. Uh, the reason I mentioned that book, not just to, uh, mm -hmm. as a commercial for a friend, uh, it's because it's got an actual, okay, this is the problem. This is what we need to do about it. In fact, I've just been handed, uh, by, uh, I've been just handed the book. <laughs> uh, it is called A Common Struggle. A Common Struggle by Patrick Kennedy. Um, it's worth it because not just it's Patrick's life and, 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 the, and all that he went through. It's literally the back of the book. I think it's the back of the book, as I recall, has got, okay, this is what we need to do about it. Yeah. It's a, it's a manual, Zoe, that addresses not just the stigma and the perception, but the actual substance of what we need to, to sort of bring mental health up to the same level of perception and reality as physical health. Yeah, I think people are, are really looking for solutions there. And kind of on a similar note, you know, as governor, you were hit with a pretty large and unprecedented amount of un um, responsibility and uncertainty when COVID hit. And I can't even imagine the stress that must have 
uh, been put on you at that time. So I was wondering, and I'll be quite honest, Josh kind of helped me think of this question. If you could provide a personal perspective on your pandemic experience and how you've managed to stay in a good headspace. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll, I'll, well, probably just because of the clock, I may have to conclude with this. Is that okay, Zoe? Or, yes. Um, so I'd say, t- I'd say two things. One is I actually had major surgery on the, the day that we had our first case reported in New Jersey, which is hard to believe because we're now at 203,000 cases um, on March 4th. Uh, one, one part of my answer would be this virus and the toll it's taken has put my own personal situation into a much uh, better uh, context. Uh, I, I may have gone through major surgery, but I've gone through nothing compared to what thousands of families have gone through uh, in this state. Um, and it, it, it's a sobering reminder. Uh, I forget the phrase in the Bible, but you think you got it bad, somebody has always got it worse. Um, probably more regularly or more lasting. The other comment I would say is this, and this is, while it's been difficult, it's also been rewarding. And that is, I've spoken now to literally many hundreds of families who have lost someone. Um, And I've lost track. We speak about usually three families, uh, three lost lives every day at our press conference. And those conversations have, most importantly, been for not just me, but as we talk about them, for all of us to remember, while this is at one level about data, uh, it's also about precious individual lives that were lived and are now lost. And we can never lose track of that. So making decisions based on science and data is what we have to do, mm-hmm. but also celebrating and honoring these lives as individuals we equally have to do. And I have to say, as a personal matter, these conversations, while they can, that, while they can be very emotional, um, you walk away with a, a, a sense of not just a great life that was lived and is now lost, but the strength that they showed, but also their family members uh, continue to show in light of that. In many cases early on, Zoe, we, 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 I, you forget this if, if, you don't, uh, if we're not careful. In sort of March, April, and May, you, you had the triple whammy of losing a loved one, not being able to visit them in the hospital when they were dying, yeah. and then not being able to give them a proper memorial or funeral service when they died. And so you still, I still talk to a lot of families from folks who died in that period who still haven't had closure. Yeah. And, I, and I think as tough as those conversations might be, it again reminds me, you know what, I got it lucky. Uh, most of us have it lucky compared to these folks. That's, that, that'll be my answer. I'll give Josh the assist on, on the, <laughs> that question. Yeah, and it's true. It's a very sobering but necessary reminder. Um, but... Governor Murphy, thank you so much for this opportunity and speaking to my listeners. I I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And if you have any last words of advice. um, Keep keep up the great work. You're doing a great service. I love the name Solace in the City. Uh, Great knockoff. But it also captures what you're doing. And and, and you're, you're doing just what I referred to earlier. You've got a bully pulpit. You've got a responsibility to judiciously use that pulpit and you're doing just that. So keep up the great work. Thank you again. And um, hopefully I'll see you soon. (laughs) See you around. Say hi to the family. I will. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. 